really slow. I felt a lot too slow for the road. I don't know if anyone's had that experience before and you're feeling a bit frustrated, a bit, uh, we could be uh, taking a lot more ground uh, than we are right now. And, um, but then we turned the corner and I saw a speed camera and this driver in front was helping me uh, by slowing me down. <laughs> I was unaware of what the speed was on that road and he was blessing me even though I thought he was irritating me. And just as I was driving over here, as I was praying for you guys, I felt God remind me of that moment for you as a church. And maybe there's been a sense sometimes of a feeling of frustration of, oh, we could be going faster. Uh, we could be seeing more things happen, taking more ground. But just a sense of the Father saying to you, I've kept you at the right pace, at the right time. And also just a sense to realign what John was saying yesterday, um, that actually there is a new season coming for you guys and I feel like the accelerator is going to go down a bit and the speed is going to go up a bit and in terms of his momentum and growth among you and you will say this is a new season for us. So just wanted to encourage you that same sense that John had uh, for you guys as well of uh, God picking up the speed among you. Um, and it's been such a joy to be with you um, this weekend and um, it's been really amazing just to hear so many of your individual stories and it's such a privilege to come here and serve you as part of a Christ Central Church but also to be served by you and not to feel like, oh yeah, we need lots of help. You guys are um, a church plant within your own right and you have much to bring and to bless the Christ Central family with. I personally have been almost moved to tears as I've talked to some of you and hear, heard of the battles you've been going through the way you've persevered, the way you've kept looking to Jesus through the storms of this life. And so just want to encourage you, you have your part to play. And it's not just to be served, but to serve. And uh, just want to encourage you, as Josh mentioned, that conference, uh, it's not just people coming over to help you. It, you will be helping them and inspiring them. And I've shared with our church this morning, just sent a little video of uh, you guys planting. You will be inspiring them in Leeds. Wow, these guys, they're going for it. They've moved nation. They've learned language. Wow, they're laying down their lives for the gospel. It's not the size of your church that has the impact. It's the way you live your lives. So I just want to encourage you with those words. And I would love to open up John chapter 4 for us. I know you guys have been in a series in John. Um, but I, as I prayed for you, I just sensed to, to bring this uh, story about the Samaritan woman at the well. And just to draw, I think, some slightly different things uh, to the ones that you looked at when you hit this passage. There's so many angles you can go off from it. Um, but let me read for you uh, John chapter 4, uh, verse 4 to 19. John chapter 4, verse 4 to 19. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Father, we just pray as we look at these words uh, about your son, we pray, uh, would we encounter Jesus by his spirit this morning? Would we see him afresh? And would we see what he has given him, given us afresh, that Jesus may be made much of? Amen. Should I continue with this one? No. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been asked that before, preaching before. <laughs> um, so just to give some kind of context for this story, um, Jesus was tired. Um, he had walked uh, from Judea to Sychar. It's about a 20-mile journey. Uh, it would have been hot, dusty, um, they probably did it in a day. So they probably set off at five or six in the morning to avoid the heat of the day. They've done a 20k, 20 mile hike, uh, and it's now 12 o'clock. So he's tired. When it says Jesus tired as he was from the journey, yeah, he would have been really tired. Uh, he was hungry, or he, he at least should have been. After that hike, his di- disciples, they've hit this town. And they're like, right, we're off to the kebab house, the pizza place, the cafe. Uh, we need to go and eat. Um, but Jesus, he has a different food that he talks about later, that the will of the Father, he's more satisfied. He's, he's fasting, if you like, after this journey even, uh, engaging with his Father. Uh, Jesus was also under threat from Pharisees. That's why he's moved from one location to another. He's not like, oh, I'm scared, I'm running. But he's aware that actually if he sticks around in that place, he may be killed or uh, an attempt may be made upon his life before his time has come. And uh, he is in a place called Samaria. And 700 years prior to this story, um, the Samaritan, the, the capital um, Samaria of the northern kingdom was captured by the Assyrians. And um, they intermarried among the Israelite people and created a kind of twisted form of the Israelite religion, uh, involved even things like child sacrifice. And so um, the Jews saw the Samaritans as kind of like racial half-breeds. They were unclean. Um, The racial divisions and tensions in in America in the 50s and 60s would be a kind of equivalent understanding between the Jews and the the Samaritans. And so remember the the parable of the good Samaritan, the shock of, oh, wow, you know, why would the Samaritan um, help that person? And so um, the fact that Jesus is even going through this place is quite controversial. Jews of that time would often take a longer journey to avoid even going through that place. And he's talking with a woman. Uh, some devout Jews wouldn't even talk to their wives, their sister, or their daughter in public. 
And, and yet Jesus is engaging with this woman in public and we'll see later on in the story that the disciples are shocked that he's doing this. And not only that, um, she's not only Samaritan, she's not only a woman, but she's impure. We, uh, according to the Jewish law, she's had five different husbands and probably why most people say she was out in the heat of the day to avoid being looked at. She was kind of filled with a sense of shame. And it's into this uh, dynamic, so he's tired, hungry, uh, under threat of his life, uh, in Samaria, the place Jews avoid, and he starts speaking to this impure woman at a well. And in most cultures, there's kind of one of these places that you can go to under kind of false pretense of doing some activity to engage socially. Um, So in England, it's the pub. Uh, you may not even want to drink, but you want to talk to someone, so you go pretending you want to drink and hope to talk to someone. Maybe in Sweden it's the sauna. Uh, (laughs) You want to go and just talk to some people and and engage with them. And so the well is kind of like what sociologists would call a third place. Uh, A first place is uh, your home. A second place is where you uh, work. And a third place is where you do life. Uh, Socially, maybe you go to the gym. Uh, Maybe you go to the sauna or whatever you love doing. And so Jesus is in this kind of third place, engaging with this woman. And it's here that this miraculous word of knowledge is shared. And I just love that right from the offset, that Jesus is bringing the miraculous gifts, not in a religious meeting, not in the temple, but down the pub, if you like. Down the well, down the gym, down the pool, down the sauna, in the third place where people are hanging out uh, to go and do something practical. And uh, just want to encourage you and stir you with that point. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've read through the book of Acts and I can't find one clear example of a miraculous event happening in a meeting. (laughs) And the book is full of miraculous events, yet they are happening outside the meeting. And maybe the theologically astute among us will pull out Acts chapter 20 and say, hang on a sec, Paul was preaching, wasn't he? And the guy, he uh, died and Paul rose in the head. Surely that was in a meeting. But where was he sat? He was sat by a window. What happened? He fell out of the window, three floors down, (laughs) and Paul came and raised him to life again. It was outside the meeting. And just want to encourage you, (laughs) just want to encourage you, that miracles are great in the meeting. It was such a joy yesterday to see the outbreak of God's presence. People engage with him. People, wow, he loves me. You know, meeting that, uh, places that only he can meet. But let's not save it just for the meetings. Uh, the miraculous presence of God is there for the world to see as modelled by Acts. And I just love Jesus' approach uh, to this woman. He says, will you... Give me a drink. Will you give me a drink? John chapter 1. In him, sorry, through him, verse 3, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Will you give me a drink? He created those water particles. (laughs) He could create some Evian right in his hand in that moment. Will you give me a drink? You see the humility of the heart of Jesus. And the way he creates, just with that first question, uh, a bottom-up relationship rather than a top-down relationship. He, He doesn't say, let me tell you all about you. He says, will you serve me? 
And sometimes I think in our haste to change the world for Jesus, um, we can forget the way Jesus modelled humility, a willingness to receive, a willingness to empower people. That's what he did with this woman trapped in shame. By asking her for a drink, he empowered her. You have a role to play. You have something to do. He was effectively saying, I I value you. And then he uses this gift of the word of knowledge by saying you have had five husbands. And I can see two examples already in the book of John where Jesus has used this gift previously. John 1 verse 40 to 42. Um, We see in the calling of Peter, uh, the word of knowledge being used. Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. And then uh, John 1, 47 to 50. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. He just said what he was doing that afternoon. And Jesus uses the word of knowledge time and time again. Why? Why did he use that? Was it some kind of magic trick? What was the purpose Matthew 10 uh, verse 30 says this, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I don't know if you know this, but the average young adult will have over 100,000 strands of hair at any given moment popping out of their head. Both growing and losing on average around four an hour every hour. And what's mind-blowing right now, Jesus knows precisely how many are popping out of your scalp right now. I'm avoiding looking at anyone who doesn't have hair. (laughs) What awesome knowledge. Not only that, he knows what you're thinking right now. He knows the very next word that will come out of your mouth. He knows the next muscle you will move. He could name all of your hobbies and interests, your likes and dislikes, your hopes, your dreams, your strengths, your weaknesses. He could tell you where you grew up, what house you lived in, what school you went to. Deeper than that, he knows the good, the bad, the ugly. Every single moment in your life that has shaped you into who you are now. Painful memories, traumas, failings, fears, he knows them. Proud moments, joys, successes, accomplishments, he knows them. The Lord Jesus knows you more deeply, more intimately and more wholly than you even know yourself. He knows you. And not just you, he sees everyone as if they were made of glass. He sees right through us. And deep in the recesses of all of our beings is an ache to be known like this. We want to be known and that's why we enter into relationship, to know and to be known and 
takes a, a lifetime to be known by someone and confusion and, and misunderstanding. No, I didn't mean that. No, I'm, that's not my heart. But we still try and persevere to be known, don't we? To be known and understood gives a person value, significance and meaning. To be known is to be loved. He knows me. Sometimes you've got to go to a place where everyone knows your name. Do you remember that uh, TV, advert, a TV um, program that made it over here? We want to be known. And so when Jesus shows Peter that he knows him, when Jesus shows Nathaniel that he knows him, when Jesus shows this woman caught in shame that he knows her, he's shown the love of the Father. I know you. I know you. Before you were knitted together in your mother's womb, I knew you. And do you know right now, he knows you. He knows what you're going through. Even those things that you struggle to tell those closest to you, he knows them. Those areas in your life where you're, you're maybe like this woman, you're racked with shame about. Oh, there's this thing. He knows about it. He knows. So let the secrets out because he knows the only opinion of one who matters. He already knows. <laughs> and that's what the cross does, doesn't it? It shows us that he knows us. <laughs> the secret's out. We can no longer pretend to be good or perfect anymore. Good Friday exposed that. When we're really not perfect, we need a saviour. Yet Easter Sunday gives us the confidence to know my sins have been forgiven. They've been paid for. Therefore, I can share this is who I am. So I just want to encourage you, don't wait for a word of knowledge <laughs> for those things in your life where you know you're really struggling with them. Bring them. Share them. This is the community that Christ wants to create where you are known and you know. And just want to encourage you really with some stories of this gift being operated in today. A few years ago, I worked for a marketing company with John and, um, and uh, I invited one of our work colleagues to Alpha and she said, yes, I'd love to come. And I was excited. And then uh, I was arranging the details with her and she said, oh, actually, I'm sorry, I'm not coming anymore. I've had a better offer. I've been invited to a psychic night. I thought, oh, great. Um, and that kind of did something in me where I thought, hang on a sec, that is um, a mirage of the real thing. We have the real power, the true power of Christ in us. And so uh, as a church, we um, set up really what you can describe as a Christian answer to a psychic night. Um, we hired out a pub that had often put on several psychic nights and we put on an event called Hear From Heaven. Um, we said, come and hear God lovingly reveal the secrets of your heart. And um, so we booked this pub. I can remember having this kind of surge of faith as I booked this pub. I said to this landlady, we're going to have um, uh, our kind of Christian psychic night will be much better than your psychic nights that you've had here. And she said, well, to be honest, they're going to have to be really good then because the people that come are, you know, they really reveal spot on things. 
And then uh, I can remember falling in and out of faith for the event <laughs> as the deadline approached. We sent out a few thousand flyers, um, done some advertising. Um, and I remember being in a prayer meeting the, a few nights before, and uh, this guy came up to me and said, I feel like God's rolling out his red carpet for this event. And you think, oh, that's a nice little picture. You know, it's like, yeah. But then literally two minutes later, someone came up to me. I feel like God's saying he's rolling out the red carpet. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> exactly the same word from two sides of the room. And anyway, we put on this night, and um, it was just phenomenal, the accuracy of the words of knowledge that God gave us that night. So we wanted to prove that we weren't reading body language, so we all wore blindfolds. We wanted to show that we're not doing the kind of, you know, oh, he looks a bit like this. And uh, so we had blindfolds, and uh, so people were facing backwards like this. And uh, people came and sat on the chair there who wanted to, and they would listen to God for that person behind them. And um, so the first lady um, uh, sat down. She was kind of one of the workers in the pub. And um, the lady said, uh, one of the ladies from our church said, um, I feel like you're holding on to someone too closely and you need to let them go a bit. Uh, then another lady uh, from our church said, I feel like there's a real worry over exams. And then I said to this lady, this is the you know, opening of the whole event. I said, does any of that make sense to you? And um, she said, it's not for me. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> it's for my daughter. And she said, as soon as they said those words, I looked at the owner of the pub and we both mouthed her name at exactly the same time. And then I said, um, I've just got this word, uh, hairdresser shop. And she said, she's a hairdresser. And there was this kind of awed laughter in the pub um, as people uh, recognized that we were really hearing from God. And there were a number of really encouraging uh, other stories. Literally, the next lady who was sat down here my friend Matt was here with his blindfold on and he said, I don't know what it is, but there's something about your wedding ring. I'm not quite sure, but something about wedding ring. And then she was sat there and um, she was just flabbergasted and we said, what's going on? She said, oh, I've been married for, I think it was about 20 years, she was saying, and I've never, ever taken my wedding ring off. Um, the first time I did was tonight before coming out and I've I was polishing it and forgot to put it back on. In fact, she pulls out her phone, here's a text from my partner saying, I've just found your wedding ring, do I need to be worried? <laughs> and um, also within the evening we had uh, people drawing pictures uh, and bringing them to people. And so I only heard about this literally a month ago. Um, this one lady drew uh, a cricket pavilion where you uh, play cricket, where you get ready to go out and play cricket. And um, she shared this with one uh, young man and he just started to weep. And um, they said, what does this mean? He said, um, last year my father died playing cricket. Um, and it was just the father in heaven saying, I know, I really know. And that for me was what really struck me about the event. And we did a few more was not so much the, wow, the accuracy, but the sense of love in the room and the sense of the presence of God as he was ministering to people, saying, I know you, my daughter, my son, come home, come home. In fact, a couple did um, receive Christ that evening and a couple got healed. And the, the landlady in the pub said, I have to be honest, that was far, far better than any of the psychic nights we had, the way you loved people and interacted with them and the accuracy was so much more significant. And I just want to encourage you to um, create a culture like this in your church. And I think if I'm going to be honest with you, it kind of goes a bit up and down in culture of church and church life as you focus on different things and try and improve different things. But the miraculous 
should be a real kind of foundational element, actually, according to Hebrews, of what you do as a church. Life in the spirit is not for kind of a few weird individuals who go and do some stuff. It's for you as a community um, to live and breathe. And so we have several other encouraging stories of just this kind of thing happening in our church. I remember this guy, one guy visiting, and we were praying for him. And I remember just saying to him, um, it's almost as if you've got a lottery ticket in your pocket and you're hoping for this change in your life. But Jesus says he can be that change. And then he, he brings out a lottery ticket from his pocket. <laughs> um, just last Sunday, um, um, I was just preaching, came down and I just saw this lady and I said to her, uh, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you've come from, but I just have the words of Jesus for you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And it was her first time at church uh, ever in the UK. And she just started weeping after uh, the death of her mother just a couple of weeks previously. Just want to encourage you. This is for you. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's have a quick look at that. There's not much more I want to say um, because I think it would be good to practice what we preach. 1 Corinthians 12 um, verse 7 to 10. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. The context here, Paul is talking about a meeting and the church have kind of got a bit carried away with tongues. Instead of a sermon, people are just shouting out in tongues. Um, And he's trying to say, look, there's a lot more for you than tongues. And he gives just nine of these examples of gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what was the one of them he mentioned there? To another, a message of knowledge. And that's what we've just looked at for 10, 15 minutes. That's just one of those nine gifts and there's probably... There are more than those nine gifts that Paul mentions. And so um, when we think gifts of the Spirit, spirit Spirit-filled community, we're not just thinking, are we praying tongues loads? Although you should be. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than any of you. It's a really helpful way of uh, engaging with him. Um, I remember being a student and um, I was outside a, a kebab shop and um, this is a place in the UK, I don't know if you have it here, where you, you maybe go uh, out for an evening. At the end of the evening, you will finish by having some meat and bread. And, um, and it can often be a violent place because people have drunk too much. And as John helped us see yesterday, um, people do silly things, debauchery. Uh, anyway, I was uh, outside this shop and one of my friends was getting into a disagreement with one guy. And uh, I was trying to walk off my friend to kind of separate a potential fight from happening. And, um, um, but this guy was following us. I could almost smell his kind of kebab meat breath coming closer and closer. Um, and uh, I was kind of walking away. And um, fear kind of grabbed my heart. And uh, I just, you know, you just know you're about to be kicked. <laughs> I just knew I was about to be kicked. And so uh, what I did uh, was turn around and put my hands into heaven and I just started shouting in tongues. <laughs> and, um, and I was in peace. Um, and this guy, he put his arm around me and he said, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm praying. 
And he said, oh, um, will you pray for me? <laughs> and I said, no, <laughs> pray for yourself. <laughs> and uh, so he just started praying. He said he was in the army and he just started um, saying, God, if you're there, I need you. Um, I feel very broken and lonely. And um, these gifts are given to us, not just for meetings, but out there and to use creatively and to use to help us see culture and, and kingdom come uh, among us in Gothenburg, in Sweden and around the world. Um, it's as you go, uh, as you're in your business meeting, you get a word of wisdom. What we should do actually is be investing into here because this will happen and this will happen and that will mean that and everyone will go, oh, wow, where did you get this wisdom from? Um, or you're looking for a new house and you get a surge of faith. This is it. This is the one, as you experienced. It, this is it. I just know. I don't. Okay, things are going to happen. It might be challenged, but this is it. You get a, a rise of faith. Um, I remember Joe and I, we were praying about a special offering for the church, and I had one figure, which was just about affordable. It would stretch us a little bit. But Joe had a, a bigger figure, <laughs> and uh, I think I was very confident that I had the right figure. <laughs> um, um, but uh, I think Joe had this kind of sense of faith. No, we're, we're going to be able to do this larger figure. And then what came through the door a few days later? A check for the exact difference between the first and the second amount. And these gifts are here for us to use. I remember I was um, getting my car uh, fixed at QuickFit. It's a kind of a popular garage in the UK. And uh, I went to pick up my car. And uh, there was a guy who was um, walking around like this. He was one of the mechanics, literally dragging his foot like that. And um, I said, hey, what's, what's happened there? And he said, uh, um, a couple months ago, I fell from a ladder and I've crushed in my whole ankle and I haven't been able to walk properly since. And I said, mate, this might sound a bit weird, but I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe although Jesus died, he's alive again and he can do stuff like heal you. Um, could I pray for you? He said, um, yeah, great, I'd be well up for that. He was from a place called Newcastle, so he'd be like, oh, what are you, man? Yeah, that'd be great, man. Yeah, I'm up for that. Um, and I prayed for him. And, um, and I wasn't really expecting much, to be honest, but I just thought, let's pray. And I said, did anything happen? And he said, it's crazy, mate. As you prayed, surge of power went straight from my head right down to my toes. And I said, wow, Lee, I think Jesus has healed you, mate. Um, do you want to try and try it out? And he just walked perfectly like this, just shaking his head in utter disbelief. And uh, there was a guy stood right next to me with a, with a turban on. I think he was a Sikh. And he was like, <laughs> I said, did you see that? He said, yeah. Will you pray for my mum? <laughs> praying for his mum. And um, these things don't happen every day. It's, I think it's, sometimes we can be a bit depressed by reading the book of Acts. You think, <laughs> we're a million miles away from there. But Acts, I suppose, is like the, the highlights, the showreel. And so the stories I'm sharing with you are some of the best stories, and I, I yearn and long for more. Um, but they're, they're there for the taking. They're there for us. And there's mystery involved, and there's disappointment involved. I can remember sharing a word of knowledge with a guy on a plane, and he just turned to me and said, no, that's completely wrong. And I had four hours flight sat next to him. <laughs> just feeling like an utter wally. Um, but... <laughs> but um, but that's, that's the journey, isn't it? Um, we, we walk with him and, and we pursue him and we step out of these things. And it's the classic kind of analogy is not like you know, a kid brings the drawing and the father's like, that's rubbish, isn't it? You got that wrong. <laughs> the perspective of the horse was completely off. 
No, the father goes, oh, look, it's a horse. Is it a horse? Yeah, it's a horse. Uh, the father loves it when we, when we step out, when we try these things and when we pursue him um, and go after him. How are we doing for time? What, what time is it now? Is it? 22. Let's end it there. I think just to say that the, the consequence of this one word of knowledge that Jesus dropped, a whole, ter- a whole town gets turned upside down. The woman leaves her water jar. I love that. She's come to get water. Forget about the water. <laughs> I need to go and tell people about Jesus. Jesus says, look, the, the fields are ripe for harvest. The disciples are like, what? No, no, they're ripe. Yes, there's a process involved. Jesus says here, you know, reaping what you've not worked for. It's not always, the fruit's not always ready to go plop like that and bring the apple off the tree. Sometimes there's a season of, of growing and, and waiting and, oh, it's ready now. But there are so many women like this in Gothenburg, even though, you know, your culture is amazing and the way society takes care of people is amazing. There's women like this. There's men like this who have salt water for the soul. Five husbands, right? It still hasn't satisfied. It's left them thirsty for more, for more. Jesus says, whoever comes to me and drinks my water will never thirst. There are people out there who are thirsty and you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, You don't need to go to a well anymore. You have the well of the Holy Spirit in you. You are the temple. We together are the temple. And his presence is here right now. Um, and we're just going to ask him, Father, intensify your presence among us. Come, Holy Spirit.